the truth. We thank you for the privilege that we have to be able to come into your house and worship and adore your holy and righteous name, Lord God. And Father, we pray today that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church. Father God, that you would open our ears, Lord God, to your voice, that you would soften our hearts to the moving of your spirit in this place. Father, I thank you for your truth that is able to liberate us if we will allow it. And may we allow you to have free reign in us today. Father, I pray that I would decrease, that you would increase, and that your name would be glorified. I give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name, someone said, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Doesn't it feel good to be in the house of the Lord? Is anybody blessed this morning? Glory to God. Hallelujah. I got two people blessed. That's good enough. Hallelujah. That's me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to add me three. Praise the name of the Lord. Uh, Jimmy said I could add him, so there we go. This morning, I want to, I'm not going to start the series that I intended to start a few weeks ago. I was meditating on the Lord, and the Lord put something in my heart, and it is a message, and I'm going to call it encouragement. Praise the name of the Lord. You know, I, I, I don't know, and, and when I say encouragement, I don't want you to get the wrong idea because when I, when I, when I, when I say encouragement, I believe true encouragement is going to be that which will motivate you to get to your next level, and that is not always pleasurable. Amen? Amen? So in, in other words, it doesn't always feel good, it doesn't always sound good, but it's good for you. It's like the vegetables that your mama used to tell you, you can't have dessert until you get this right here. Amen, somebody. And so when I say I'm going to encourage you, I don't know, you know, that I'm going to be like Pastor Chad. He is wonderful. Glory to God. He, he preaches hardcore with a smile on his face the whole time. Glory to God. Can we give the Lord a hand of praise for Pastor Chad? The youth didn't give me an opportunity to get up here. I was going to make announcements and say he did a wonderful job. But praise the Lord, he did a wonderful job bringing forth the word of the Lord. But I don't smile as much as him, and that's all right because we're made differently. Praise the name of the Lord. But, but this morning, I want to share with you a, a, a word of encouragement, and the title of the message today is Stay the Course. Stay the Course, because there, there, there's a lot of um, mission drift or course drift that comes into our lives sometimes, but this morning, I want to look at the Apostle Paul as the example, and if there is a person that I think has got to be one of the most greatest characters that you ever get to see in the scriptures, it is the Apostle Paul. And in this particular story here, he is, um, he, he, he is saying goodbye to the elders of, of the church in Ephesus. He has gone through there, preached up a storm. He, he, t he turned that place upside down, and then he had to leave because he was getting, you know, persecuted and so on and so forth. And as he's getting ready to leave, he goes and he, and, and he goes to this place, Miletus, and he calls him. So he's in another city, and he calls the elders to him. And he says, listen, I want to talk to you all. And he reminds them, he says, listen. He said, you know how I've been with you. You know, you know how I've walked with you. You know the example that I've shown you. He said, you know, I was in the public places, glory to God, preaching, as well as from house to house, praise the Lord, which would totally disqualify all of those preachers that you got to have 300 or more for them to come preach to you. Mm-hmm, glory to God. The apostle, of, I had to say it because when I was reading it right there, I just got hit with that, glory to God. So the, 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 the apostle says, I didn't hold anything back. Even if it was going to cost me dearly, I didn't hold anything back. I didn't, I didn't hold a word back. I was with you, and, and I preached, and I taught, and I ministered, and I did everything that I was supposed to do. 
And he goes on and he communicates to them. He says in verse 22, he says, and see now, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem. Now, I want, I want you to look at that for a moment because it's very important. Because the apostle was not just an emotional person. He, he, he wasn't any of those things. But he was bound by the spirit of God. He was bound in his spirit by the spirit of the Lord to do what? To go to preach the multitudes. Was that what it was? Is that what he says here in the text? No, no, no. Let, 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 let's read it together. He says, and see now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me. There except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, everywhere I've been preaching, every church that I've stopped by to minister, the prophet of the house, this is what he's saying, has given me a word in every place that I've gone to saying this, that chains and tribulation await me. Didn't say a new house awaited him. Didn't say a financial breakthrough awaited him. Didn't say some next level of glory awaited him. But he said, chains and tribulation await me. But, 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 but he goes on and he says, but none of these things move me. In other words, none of these things cause me to get off course. None of these things hinder me from doing what I'm supposed to do. But there's a reason for this. Nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish the race with joy. How many of y'all want to run with joy? Hallelujah. Run knowing that you are on destination with God, that you are running according to. See, because it's one thing when you're just running just to finish the race. You know, they're, 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 you, you, you watch races, and you see that there are, they're there. you watch a basketball game, glory to God. Sometimes you get your heart broke, praise the Lord. Like some Orlando Magic fans, but, but anyway. <sighs> you, 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 you watch stuff, you watch stuff, and you see that there is a team playing, or there is a runner running. And there is one who is winning, who is leading, and that one is running with joy. You know why? Because they look into the left, or to the, that's, the, that's my right, so I'm doing it wrong. They look into the right, they look into the left, and there's nobody near them. So you know what they're doing? They are running with joy because they know they're going to win. Everybody else that's running, you know what they're doing? They're trying to catch up. And some of them, they ain't even trying to catch up because they know there ain't no hope. Mm-hmm. They know that there is no hope. So what they're going to do is just going to finish the race because we can't quit. That's what my coach taught me. I got to finish the race, right? But listen to me, church. God doesn't want you to just run this race half-hearted as though you're not going to win, as though there's no end in sight. Everybody who is called a child of God has to know in his heart in her heart, that you are running a race that you are guaranteed to win if you will simply stay the course. It is not about how fast you run. It is not about how quick you are. It is about how diligent and how direct you are. Did you hear what I said? It is not about you knowing everything. It is not about how much you know, how much more you know. It is not about how popular you are. It is not about how many people come to you for advice and counsel. It is not about how you have all of the answers just falling and you are the Bible answer man or woman, glory to God. 
It, 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 it is not any of those things. It is simply that you and I would be a people who are diligently running this race and that we are direct and that we say, look, God, we are not looking to the right. We are not looking to the left, but we are running forward with you. This is what the Apostle Paul was doing. And guess what? Not only was he running this race like that, but he was running this race directly, directly into trial and tribulation. And he says, I'm not moved by these things. One of the most vital characteristics of a child of God is that we demonstrate an ability to stand firm, remain faithful, and loyal to Christ in whatever our circumstances may be. Did you hear what I said? One of the greatest telltale signs that you have had an encounter with God, that you have had a relationship with Christ, is how you respond to tribulation. It is how you respond to difficulty. It is how you respond when things get rough. Are you going to continue to stay the course? Yeah, in that marriage, glory to God. Everything looked wonderful. I knew this was the one for me. I'm going to get married. And all of a sudden, usually not all of a sudden, it's usually after a little while, because they don't drop the bomb like that, glory to God. But suddenly you realize, hold on a second, this wasn't Don Juan who swept me off my feet. Mm -hmm. I'm not married to the same one who was taking me places, bringing me flowers, sending me cards. I know husbands is going to be quiet today, but it's okay, glory to God. Uh-huh. That's, that, that's all right. That's all right. We got to wake up. Amen, somebody? I realize that this isn't the same person that was so into me. Just dropped everything to be with me. Glory to God. Suddenly, suddenly, hallelujah. You get this revelation that now things ain't like it we thought it was going to be, right? It happens to most folks. But see, the question comes... And when I say it happens to most folks, I'm going to tell you, it happened to us. Can, can, I'm, I'm going to be transparent because I like to be transparent, glory to God. I remember, I remember one night, my wife and I, glory to God. <laughs> we, 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 I'll give you the details because it's kind of funny. But the, the bed broke. Now, nah, nah, I wasn't like that. See, 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 that was just a little heart check. Where y'all at? Where y'all at? See, I didn't mean it like that. The bed broke. I had pulled the bed, okay, and, and it had everything on there. And so the bed broke. So what we ended up having to do was we ended up having to move the mattress to sleep on the floor. Now, I don't know what made this argument occur. I have no idea. But all that I know is that I wasn't really taking the whole argument that seriously, but my wife was highly, highly upset, glory to God. That's what I'm saying. I can't even remember what we were arguing about. I have no idea. I can't even tell you what the fight was about. All I know is that I'm laying in the bed, and she gets up, and I'm like, where are you going? And she's like, I'm, I'm just going to the bathroom. I'm just going to the bathroom. I said, okay. But she's walking into the closet. I'm like, did the woman forget where the bathroom was? I, you know. <laughs> it's right. She's in the dark. She goes into the closet. She comes out of the closet, lays in the bed next to me. And, you know, I reach over as the wise young husband, glory to God. 
and I want to feel if she's still wearing her pajamas. And my wife, she sleeps, you know, with, with socks on. I can't stand that, but she sleeps with socks on and, you know, all that stuff, right? No, what I mean is I can't stand it for me. It don't bother me. I, I don't care. It, it doesn't bother. It's that I can't do that because I get real hot and everything like that. But she sleeps with socks on and stuff, and so I, I move my foot over. And I feel a shoe. I'm like, hold on a second. She went to another level on me here. She went from socks to a shoe, glory to God. I said, hold, 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 hold on a second. And I, and I felt good. And I'm like, you got a jacket on? And I reached. I felt she had her purse. I'm like, I don't even know how she got the purse from the closet. But somehow she had everything. She was laying there. I was like, glory to God. I said, um, where are you going? <laughs> and I was like, look. I said, Listen. She's, and we, we, went, we went to our, our spot. That used to be our spot to talk. Now we just talk anywhere. But we used to say, okay, we're going to have conversations. We're going to go sit in the dining room table. So we went and sat in the dining room table. And all I know is that we ended up working it out, glory to God. She didn't leave and go to her mother and go to my mother-in-law's house, praise the Lord, who would have not answered the door, praise God. Hallelujah. But we worked it out. The reason why I'm transparent is because I want you to know my wife and I have a wonderful marriage. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And we are blessed, but it wasn't always easy. Hallelujah. And it gets tough sometimes. We go through different things, but we grow together through stuff. And the fact of the matter is that we started our walk with Christ individually, and then we came to a place where we are now in a relationship, still walking with Christ on our way to heaven. And what happens is when I get into this relationship, I am still on a course. I still have a responsibility to Almighty God. And so what am I going to do? Am I going to get out of of course, am I going to get out of the way that I'm supposed to be because things get difficult or am I going to realign my mind and realign my heart so that way I can get to the place where God is calling us to and we can go on ahead and not have a bunch of failures to look at. Now, 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 now listen, some of us have been through stuff and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. You've been through stuff. Praise God. You're back on course today. Amen, somebody. But what I'm saying is where you are right now, God wants you, wants me, wants us to stay on course. It happens in our jobs, glory to God. I've said it before. We get this job. We're testifying on Wednesday night Bible study. Praise the name of the Lord. God opened the door. Mm-hmm. God opened the door for me to get this job. I sat down with the, you know, the, the person who was interviewing me, and, you know, it just went great. You know, I thought, you know all, the, all this wonderful stuff. Suddenly, you start working under this person, and you can't stand them. I don't know if this was the Lord. Mm -hmm. Listen, we've got to understand something, church. We have got to learn how to stay the course. One of the greatest things, one of the greatest definitions of our character is that we are able to stand firm and move forward. Each of us, each of us in this place is different. Some of us, some of us. We need trials in our life in order to keep us focused. Did you hear me? There are some people in this place right here that if you are not going through something, you will not pray. You will not tithe. You will not go to church. You will not seek God because you get comfortable when everything is good. And so you know what? You wonder why you're always going through something. 
I know. I, see, I said this is encouragement, glory to God. This is, this is supposed to encourage you, but as other folks, you, you can't go through a trial. You go through a trial, you leave church, stop every Christian that calls you, you do not pick up the phone, glory to God. The ones, <laughs> the ones that you know that you say, oh, I know that one, I don't want to talk to them right now. You, 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 you go in through stuff, right? And what happens? We, 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 we start running from God instead of to God, right? So we, 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 we can't handle anything. But you know what both of those things indicate? They indicate immaturity. Why is that? Because we have all got to get to the place that no matter what trial we're going through, we're still standing firm. No matter the peace that we're experiencing, we're still standing firm. That we are, just see, here's the problem, is that we need to get to the place that when everything is good, we are just as desperate for God in good times as we are desperate for him in bad times. Did you hear what I said? We have got to get to that place where our hunger for God is not based on external pressure or surrounding situations, but that our hunger for God is something that is born because of a relationship and an encounter that we've had and that is what God wants to bring us to he wants to bring us to that place to the place where trials and tribulations or the lack thereof don't hinder us from staying on course what God is looking for is he is looking for a people whose devotion to him is growing deeper growing stronger and is ever increasing in a passion to please him in the vision carrier class this morning, for those of you who were in there, I said the vision of Faith Doma Fellowship is one thing, and it is to please God. You can sum up the vision of Faith Doman Fellowship by that right there. The vision of this church, the focal point of this church, everything that we do, we are not perfect, so let me just let you know that right now, but everything that we do is with one endeavor in mind, and it is to please God. Not please, man, because I can guarantee you this. And you, and you may think that I'm wrong, but it's a lot easier to please God than it is to please everybody else. Or y'all didn't hear what I said. See, 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 see we, 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 we think that, 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 that my statement is crazy. No, no, it's more difficult to please God. No, the Bible says that it's impossible to please God without faith. So that means with faith, I can please God. Glory to God. To please you, I got to sing the right song. I got to have the music the right volume. I can't preach loud. I got to preach soft. I got to preach loud. Can't preach soft. Gotta, glory to God. Got to have the lights on and worship, have the lights down. Got to have the AC colder. Have, have, it, you, you, it, people are impossible to please, glory to God. But God is not impossible to please. And if we would all focus on pleasing him, we would forget about being pleased. Uh-huh, y'all ain't saying nothing. It's encouragement, glory to God. If we would just focus on him, if we would focus on pleasing him, we start to forget about all our little issues. All those little issues that get us off course. All of those little issues, and, and, and listen, when I say little issues, I, I, I don't mean your issues are not important. But in comparison to the greatest issue, which is pleasing him, they're little. Did you hear what I said? And so we have got to get to the place that we are growing in our passion to please him in everything. Staying the course, church, is the ultimate sign of maturity in Christ. So the first thing we got to do, how is it that we stay this course the same way that the apostle did? The apostle stood the course. He said in, in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4, I believe it is, he said, look, my life is being poured out as a drink offering. He said, I have run the race. I have finished my course. He had done everything that he had needed to do, and he was simply waiting on the crown of 
life that was waiting for him. He was waiting on that crown, sorry, crown of righteousness that was waiting for him because he had lived, he had loved, he had done everything the way that God had called him to do it. He was an old man getting ready to die, and he's telling his son, son, I've done my part. Let me pass you the baton so you can run with it now. Let your life be the same way that mine was. He says it throughout 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. He says, imitate me as I imitate God. This is what he teaches. So he ran his course. He did what he was supposed to do. So how is it that we as Christians, and I'm going to use a word that I really don't even like, but how, how do we as average Christians, and why don't I like that word? Because average Christians gives this, um, this implication that, um, that, that you're not important, you're just average. None of you are, are just average in God's eyes because a Christian is automatically above average. Amen, somebody? And so what, what, when, when I say the average Christian, I'm talking about the person who is not called to be the preacher on the pulpit because when we talk about your purpose and talk about you doing something for God, we automatically think that if I am not the one up here preaching or if I'm not one of the people singing or not one of the people playing, then I have no purpose that is great. And the devil is a liar, and that is a lie from the pit of hell because you can be greater used than any of us any day if you will simply submit yourself to God's plan and purpose in your life. The apostle Paul, when he's communicating, look what he says in verse 24. He says, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Can I tell you something, church? Every single person in this place, whether you are called to be a preacher on a pulpit, whether you're called to be a Bible study teacher, whether you're called to teach in the children's church, whether you're called to youth ministry, whether you are called to simply be a person who works in a work environment not called to do any of this big stuff that we think is so big all of us have been given the same responsibility to testify of this glorious gospel in your marriage your marriage should be testifying to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ how does my marriage do that when I as a man love my wife as Christ loves the church guess what I'm testifying to the glorious gospel. When a wife submits, submits herself unto her husband as, as the church does to Christ, you are testifying. Listen to me. You are testifying of the glorious gospel. In my workplace as an employee, when I, am, when, when I am doing what I'm supposed to do, when I am being an example in my workplace, you know what my life is testifying of? It's not testifying that I was raised so great. It speaks of that a little bit. But you know what? It is speaking even greater when you're a child of God because it is testifying to what? The glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Everybody in this place has the same responsibility. It's not just for preachers, teachers, apostles, prophets. No, 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 no. It is for every person that is sitting in this place. We have got to stay the course. So how is it that we are able to stay the course? Well, the first thing, please repeat this after me. Say, we must remember that our destination will determine the depth of our devotion. Our destination will determine the depth of our devotion. It is where we are going. If I go and I sit down in my car, in my house, and I go and I pull up, you know, MapQuest, and I put in the starting address, which is my home, and then I go ahead and I put SeaWorld or whatever the case is. Well, what is going to happen is there's a little thing going, you know, I'm going to print this thing out, and all these directions are going to come up, and you know what's going to happen? Here's what's going to happen. I am going to sit in my car, get in, get in my car with my family, and we are going to drive for about 
about an hour maybe, you know, 45 minutes, something like that. And once we get to that place, guess what we're doing? Getting out of the car and going to do whatever we want to do. Why? Because we've reached our destination. So the depth of my devotion was determined by what? My destination. We went to Tennessee, glory to God, the other day. Wonderful trip, had a great time, praise the Lord. I want to let you know it's a little bit longer, just a little bit longer to get to Tennessee than it is to get to SeaWorld. Hello, somebody. Just a little bit. So we drove up here through like Georgia, South Carolina, to, I don't know, like three states or whatever the case may be. And you want to know what we were doing the whole time? Let me tell you what we were doing. They, 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 somebody purchased me a GPS. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. And so we sat down. We input the information in this GPS. And, the G, and we knew that we were committed to be in this car, to be driving. I told everybody before we left, I said, listen, I said, I do not like to make stops, glory to God. Obviously, we're going to have to make some stops all the way to Tennessee. It's going to be kind of impossible. That's a long trip, glory to God. But I said, we need to make the, the least amount of stops as possible. All the men were in agreement. The women were like, y'all crazy? Glory to God. I said, all right, we love you, so we're going to make a compromise. Praise the Lord. We'll, we'll, we'll make a few stops. Get in the car. We're driving. You know what we're doing the whole time? The whole time. Even when we're driving down the road, for some reason, I, and this is just, I don't, I don't even understand this, but for some reason, we're, 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 th th this thing is programmed, right? That as you're driving down the road and you're supposed to be going straight, it speaks to you every once in a while. Keep going straight. And if it doesn't speak to you, you get nervous. Because like, hold on a second, did I get off, this is a long way from home, did I get off track somewhere? If the thing is not speaking to you, letting you know, we, well, why, why is it that we continue to walk through life without hearing God speak to us and we're okay with that? It's in us to pay attention to the device that is giving us directions to get to where we're supposed to go. And so you know what? We sat in that car. We drove. We listened. We paused. We got off course. Things said, make a U-turn. You know, God is telling us all the time. He's usually like this, make a U-turn. Still small boys, not as loud as that GPS. And you know what? Here's the cool thing about the GPS, too. For folks that are deaf like me, there's a volume control. <laughs> or when you have a loud folks in the car, praise the Lord. I didn't have loud people. My people were just snoring, and they didn't snore that loud, praise the Lord. But there's a volume control. And you know what we do, church? Let me tell you what we do. We, while we are on course, we are continually lowering God's voice to tune into what we want to hear. Did you hear me? We continually do that. We're, we're, we're lowering the sound of God because what we're, we're not really making his voice any lower, but we're paying attention to all that other stuff around us. And you know what it ends up doing? It ends up getting us off course. We end up finding ourselves off course. And so the first thing that we got to do is we've got to realize our destination. Where is it that we are trying to get to? Turn your Bible to the book of Romans chapter 8, please. We're going to get somewhere today, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 8, one of my favorite scriptures. Romans chapter 8 and verse 18, when you got to say so. Says the Apostle Paul again, he's speaking here, and he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The Apostle Paul is saying, Listen, everything that I'm going through right now, 
every negative, dis- dis- distracting, discouraging, disheartening thing that I face now is nothing in comparison to the glory that is going to be revealed. Church, that is our destination. You and I have to understand, we, if you're a child of God, now if you're not a child of God, we want, we want you to become a child of God. And that way you can be on the same path of destination that we are. But if you are a child of God and you've given your life to Christ, you know what your destination is? Glory. Did you hear that? Y'all ain't saying nothing. Glory is the destination for the child of God. That is our destination. So here's the point. The point is that the big house is not your destination. It is something that is on the way to your destination. Did you hear me? The nice car, that is not your destination. That is something that is on the way to your destination. The good job, that is not your destination. That is something that is on your way to your destination. And if you and I would be focused on our destination, we would see a whole lot of good stuff on the way. The problem is that we are living too many times for the little things that God doesn't want us to live for. He wants us to live through and to him. Hello? But what happens is we get so focused. Look, 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 Christian folks, glory to God. We learn every scripture. Pastor, say it ain't true, glory to God. We learn every scripture we can learn about prospering. Don't be quiet now. Every scripture we learn we got to tithe from the gross of our money because we want to make sure we bless, glory to God. We learn everything the Bible says. We're highly favored. We learn all of those scriptures. Can I ask you a question? How many scriptures do you know with regard to your eternal destination? Let's keep it real, church. How many scriptures? You know, you, you know what that means? That means what you're doing is you are storing in your heart eternal treasure, eternal direction that is only going to point you to temporary things instead of you and I filling our hearts with what the Apostle Paul, what true men and women of God were focused on. You know what they were focused on, church? Go on ahead and, and, and go back a couple of centuries ago. Go, go, go and read these guys like Smith's Wigglesworth. Go and read Charles Spurgeon. Go and read these preachers, you know, the princes of preachers and these great. They weren't talking about getting rich quick. Hello? They were talking about living holy because they understood there was one thing that mattered and it had nothing to do with this earth. There was one thing that mattered and it was the eternal destination. And they knew that riches, the the apostle Paul, see, this is what happens. Nowadays, folks don't want to talk about it. But the apostle Paul says we should not run after riches because those who run after riches fall into a snare. Did you hear that? Preachers ain't preaching that today. Hello? Listen to me. We have got to be a people that are focused on our eternal destination. Why? Because there's too many of us who are settling for worldly pleasures, worldly riches, worldly comforts, rather than pressing on towards the glorious and heavenly reward that is found in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul, he says it clearly in the scripture in the book of Acts. He did not consider his life of any value apart from Christ and the will of God. 
The apostle Paul knew he was going to suffer. And not only did he know he was going to suffer, but he was willing and desirous to not only suffer, but to die for Christ. You want to know why? Because he realized that that was the best place to be in the presence of God. This is what the, the, life, the life of a true Christian is supposed to be. We're supposed to be a people that are passionate about that destination. See, when I told you the story about the GPS, huh, we, need, we need to write a song called, Are We There Yet? That's what we need to do. That has to do with heaven, though, glory to God. Because you're in a car, you got children in the car, and they know you're going someplace that they're going to have fun at. You know what they're doing? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Celebration when the church comes together should be, are we there yet? Glory to God. We should be crying out to God, are we there yet? Are we there? When we come together, we should be seeking the face of God to such a degree that we want to see his glory. But you know what? We ain't worried about that. You know why? Because again, again, church, we're more focused on all of this other stuff on the left, on the right, all of these other things. And we don't need to be focused on those things. We need to be focused on the place that we're going to and continuously crying out saying, God, I want to see your glory. Amen? The second thing, repeat this after me, we must embrace each season as being vital to our strengthening and development. Each season of our lives, church, is vital to our strengthening and development. Some of us, we don't want to go through hardship. We don't want to go through difficulty. We don't want to go through tough situations because we don't realize how valuable those things are to us. Too many Christians are living for their next season instead of living in this season. Here's the problem. When, when, I, when I was in youth ministry, I remember there was a Friday night, and I, I, I think it was maybe like my first year and a half being a youth pastor or first year or something like that. And I remember that the pastor that was preaching, he called me, he called me up to the, well, actually, he did an altar call, and I went to the front. And so we, me and, 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 you know, a lot of, I think all the pastors responded to the altar call. And we were on the altar. And he's praying, he's giving prophetic words and all of this stuff. And as he's giving this prophetic word, he gives, he gives a word to me. And he tells me about how I'm the point of the spear. And God is going to launch me from this place. And he sees me pre preaching in front of thousands of people, you know, different cultures and all of this stuff. He, you know, and, and he, he gave me a powerful, powerful prophetic word. A confirmation of a word that I probably received maybe four years prior. And it was an awesome, awesome word. But at that moment, you know what I was? I was the youth pastor of Renacimiento Cristiano. That's what I was. That was the season I was in. What God was doing was allowing this man of God to see into my future. That's all he was doing. I'm not talking about fortune telling y'all. That's not what I'm talking about. He was allowing him to see what God was going to do in my life, right? So glory to God. He sees this. The next Friday I'm preaching to the youth, and I told them, I said, I, I said the same thing. I said, listen. You cannot live for this next season because if you're trying to live for the next place God is going to take you, you are going to miss what you need for when you get there. You hear what I said? If you're living so much focused on that, you're living so much focused over there. Why do you think when you, when you go to school, you start in, in, in kindergarten, right, and they teach you fundamental stuff, and they build on it year after year after year? They couldn't just take a, a little 8-year-old a little girl like my daughter and throw her into college. Do you think that she would be successful? Of course not. Why? Because she missed the development of all of these other years. Hello, somebody. Hmm. Some folks are 21 and they ain't all successful in college. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Because college is difficult. Amen. 
<laughs> Listen. But here's the thing. If you will pay attention to where God has you, if you will focus on what God has you doing right now, right now, not looking for the future. Listen, if, if, if I, I was listening to um, Bill, Bill Russell in, in, in his interview with, um, with, with Dwight Howard. And as he's in the interview with Dwight Howard, you know, Bill Russell, he's talking, and he tells him, you know what, I'm just going to suggest something to you. He said, I will do this. He said, after the season is over, just take a month. Don't touch a basketball. Don't get on a court. Just rest. And, you know, Dwight Howard, the young, you know, ambitious, he says, yeah, but, you know, I, I can't do that. I can't rest. Because I want to be the best basketball player that I can be, and so I got to continually develop. He said, I didn't tell you to stop developing. I said, you to, let your, I said to let your body rest so you could just not think about anything. Because here's the problem. The problem is that you can, get, you, you can get better, listen, just by resting, just by relaxing and not being all tense and not being all stressed. You know why? You know, I, I'm going to have to say this. You know why these guys miss free, th free throws like they do, glory to God? Because the tension is too much. The pressure is too. If they were just chilling in their backyard, I guarantee you, they'll be knocking them down shot after shot. But they get into those situations, too much pressure, can't handle the pressure, not mature enough to handle the pressure. And so what happens? What happens is they need the season of rest. And that way when the high pressure time comes, this just flows like normal. But when you don't have enough of that time, church, you don't have enough of that mind power that you need. You know what ends up happening? You get into that next season where the high pressure is, and you ain't ready. You know why? Because you were so excited, just so just focused over there. You missed everything God was trying to do right here. Mm -hmm. It's important for us to learn to embrace where it is that God has us. Because if we don't, we won't stay the course. See, here's the, here, here's the truth. The truth is you and I, we cannot determine what hurdles, what obstacles we're going to face, but we can be sure we're going to face some. And here's the other thing we can be sure of, that if we didn't embrace where God has us now, whether he has us resting, whether he has us working, whether he has us going through suffering right now, going through a situation we don't understand, what we can be sure of is that if we will embrace God in this season, because that's what it's about, church. It's about embracing God in this season. That is what it means to be still and know that I am God. It means don't move from where you are. Move with me until I bring you to where I'm taking you. That's what it means. And so if we can learn to be still and embrace God as being the God of every season of our life and not try to get ahead of God, then what we can guarantee is that when the hurdles come, when the difficulties come, when the crisis comes, we will be able to handle those things and we will be able to deal with them. But if we don't embrace what God is doing right now, if we don't embrace where we are right now, we're not going to be prepared for the success. Some people can't handle success. Hello. Why? Because they miss the time of preparation. And so when they get successful and there's a different pressure in their lives, you know what they do? They forget the fundamentals of what they should have, what they, what they learned over here, they forget all of that stuff because they weren't paying attention, church. And what we've got to realize is that we cannot abandon where we are. The third thing, say this with me, we must avoid unnecessary detours 
that deplete us of our passion and our focus. I've learned something, and it, it's, it's one of the hardest lessons that I've had to learn. And it's because, you know, I genuinely, 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 I genuinely love everybody. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't, I don't say that to be funny. I don't say that because I'm bishop and I got to love everybody. I don't, I don't say that like that. I really care about folks. I really care about people. No matter how difficult you are, no matter how whatever, I, I love you. Amen. Hallelujah. But what I realize is this, is that there are just some people that they just, no matter how much you love them, no matter how much you counsel them, no matter how much you care for them, no matter what, you know what? They ain't going to listen to you, and they're going to do their own thing. Hello. And so you know what you've got to do as a person? You've got to, as a leader, you've got to find those people, hallelujah, that want to be disciples, that want to be developed, that want to receive correction, hallelujah, that want to receive direction, hallelujah, that want to learn, add learning to their knowledge. You've got to find those people, and that way you're not doing what? That way you're not wasting all of your effort, all of your energy, trying to motivate. And listen, listen, listen. Now, I'm not saying anybody's a waste of time because ain't nobody a waste of time. But there are some people, no matter how much time you spend with them, it's just not going to work. Hello? And, you know, we can see this in plant life because you look at plants, you notice that every once in a while you got to pluck off dead stuff because if you don't, what will happen? The whole plant will die. If you don't pluck off those leaves, and it's the same thing in our lives, church. We've got to be a people that recognize what is it that is sucking the life out of us. What is it that we are investing time and effort in that is hindering us from staying on course? And so we've got to be a people that avoid those unnecessary detours. So what are the major causes of detours? I sat down and I thought about this. So the major causes of detours, number one is rebellion. Number two is stubbornness. Number three is doubt. Major causes. I'm sure we could find some more, but if I give you these three, I think we got enough to work with. Rebellion is a direct opposition to authority. And when you are a person who is rebellious towards God, you are directly opposing the authority of God. You just don't want to be under that authority. Bottom line. You don't want to abide by what his word says. No matter what it's dealing with, you are being rebellious, and that is going to cause you to do what? It is going to cause you to take an unnecessary detour. What do I mean by unnecessary? It is unnecessary because God doesn't want you to suffer some of the things that you suffer, but because you get caught up in things being rebellious. And rebellion is just plain and simple. Sin. There's another one when we look at stubbornness. Stubbornness doesn't just deal with authority. Stubbornness is just being prideful. It's just being irreverent. It is not acknowledging that there could be a better way than your way. Mm -hmm. That's what stubbornness is. It doesn't have to do with a person. It's not directed at a particular individual. It is directed to everyone. You meet stubborn folks, stubborn folk. Look, it don't matter who tells them. President Obama could come and talk to them, and they'd be like, no, I don't want to hear it. Why? Because they're just stubborn, hard-headed. You know those folks. So those are people. That's another thing that's going to cause you to take detours. Why? Because you're not going to listen to counsel. And the other one is doubt. When you are a person who is doubtful or a person who has a lack of faith, when you don't have faith and God says, step, God says, keep walking, 
God says, stand still. God says, be firm. God says, trust me. If you don't have faith and you're filled with doubt, you know what you're going to try to do? You're going to try to figure out what is the safest way, what is the easiest way, what is the way that makes the most sense for you, and that is the way that you're going to do. So if you are trying to figure stuff out and you are not willing to just sit before God and obey the plan of God, then you got to question, where's your faith? Because if you're walking in doubt, you know what you're going to do? You're going to end up going this way. And, and here, here, here's the whole thing, church. This is what we got to understand. There is a narrow path. Amen. There is one way. And we have choices. We can go ahead and we can take that detour, which what does a detour normally do? Brings you right back to that road at another place. Hello, somebody. But on those detours, you get flat tires. You get robbed on a detour. Hello, somebody. I'm going I'm to let you know right now, there's some detours. As soon as I see it, I'm like, God, help me, glory to God. Locking my doors like I don't have a gun, but I wish I did at this moment. Praise the Lord. It's just some detours you don't want to take. Listen, it is important that we are a people, that we avoid those detours. How do we do it? Well, the Apostle Paul clearly says something in 1 Corinthians he says it in 1 Corinthians, you can write these down, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 12, and 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 23, and 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 12, he says, all things are lawful, but not all things are beneficial. All things are lawful, but I will not be brought under the power of any. This is what he says. So what does that mean for us? Well, our society tells us that there's a whole bunch of stuff that is lawful, but it doesn't mean that it's beneficial. For example, our society says it's okay for a man or a woman to go to Rachel's. That's lawful. I'm not breaking the law going to Rachel's, am I? Well, y'all ain't saying nothing. I'm not saying I'm going there. I see y'all think I want to go. I don't want to go to Rachel's, glory to God. But listen to me. My point is. Rachel's is a lawful place for me to go to. I'm not breaking the law. I'm not talking about going and, you know, smoking out somewhere. No, no, no. I'm talking about something that society says is okay. It is not okay. My daughter and I, we were driving, my daughter, my wife, and I, we were in a car driving to Sam's. And, you know, Sam's is, you know, Rachel's right there on the corner of Sam's. And my daughter says to me, says, Daddy, why don't we ever go there to eat? And I said, baby, that food is bad there. <laughs> so you don't want to eat there, trust me. I've never had the food in there, so I don't know, but I know this much. The spiritual food is contaminated. Hello. <laughs> and she'll drive by now. I don't know if she remembers, but, uh, you know, a couple of times she'll be like, yeah, that, that place got bad food there, glory to God. Listen to me. It's lawful for me, but it's not beneficial. It's not going to build me up. What it's going to do, it is going to bring me into bondage. And so you've got to think. Listen to me. You have got to think about what it is that you are doing because if what you are doing can bring you into bondage in other words you end up addicted you end up in in situations you shouldn't be you need to stay away from them no matter what society says listen to me if you're going to your doctor I know somebody don't want to hear this but listen if you're going to your doctor and your doctor has got you all prescriptioned up and you're addicted to these pills you need to get delivered in the name of Jesus tell your doctor you don't want this anymore because because it is lawful, but it is not beneficial. And I am in bondage, and I want to be free. That's what you got to do. Hello, somebody. Mm -hmm. 
It's lawful, church, but it's not beneficial. The Apostle Paul goes on in, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 23. He says again, he said, all things are lawful for me. He said, but not all things are beneficial. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Listen, we have got to be a people that say, no, God. We don't want to just do what we want to do. We don't want to just do things our way. See, it may be lawful for me. I mean, our society says it's lawful to get divorced. Hello, somebody. It's costly, but it's lawful. Hello? Does that make it right? No. The scriptures clearly speak against those things. And so it is important for us to make sure as a people that we're not bound up in things that are lawful, that we can justify. No. Is it something that is building you up? If it is not building you up, it is going to be tearing you down. And so how are you going to stay on the path of righteousness? How are you going to avoid those detours? It is by you doing the things that are not going to bring you into bondage. No matter who else is doing them. Listen, I don't care how many Christians you get around that are doing stuff. If you feel uncomfortable, listen to me. Do not ignore your conscience. Do not ignore the Holy Spirit that is in you because you know what? You're going to get around people that call themselves Christians that are doing all kinds of stuff that they're like, man, I didn't know Christians do that. If you're around folks and you're like, I didn't know Christians do that, you need to just go on and say, you know, I don't think I want to do that. Hello. Don't, 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 don't stay hanging out with them because you know what I've seen? I've seen more people who end up, you know, in just that it's lawful, everything is good, and they end up not walking with Christ. Just because someone calls himself a Christian and they're having sex out of marriage, that doesn't mean you should do it. Just because someone calls himself a Christian and they are over here going to the clubs and all that kind of stuff, that don't mean you should do that. Just because someone calls himself a Christian and they're over here doing all kind of other stuff, being abusive, if it's, if it's a parent, being abusive to children, that doesn't mean you should do that. Hello? You need to do what is scripturally correct. And if you are unsure, this is what the Bible says. If you can't do it in faith, it's sin. Oh, y'all ain't saying nothing. If you can't do it in faith, it is sin. If there is, I'm going to say it like this. If there is a doubt, if there was ever a doubt, it's sin for you. Period. This is encouragement. Amen. Amen. This is how we stay on course, church. Let me tell you the desire of the enemy, and I'm getting ready to close here. The desire of the enemy is to distract us and deter us and inevitably detour us, detour us, our lives. And the reason why is because he hopes to do one of two things. He either hopes to keep you off track for the rest of your days on the earth, or he hopes to keep you so messed up and so stuck that the rest of your days on earth, you're still trying to get out of the mess that you walked into. Understand that? He wants to do one of two things. He either wants to totally destroy your life and knock you off track, or he wants to get your life so messed up that you spend the rest of your days, rather than fulfilling the will of God, rather than living your life to the fullness of what God wants, trying to dig out of some hole. But I'm here to let you know, man, that our Lord and our Savior is able to save and deliver to the uttermost. But here's the problem. This, this, is, this is the issue. The issue is we have too many folks who have made commitments to God. 
but they have not submitted to God. See, there's a difference. People come. You do it in workplaces all the time. You make a commitment. You start working in that workplace. Everything is good until something happens that you disagree with. And then you have a choice to make. You are either going to abide by that rule even though you don't want to do it or you're going to start looking for another job. You hear what I said? It's the same thing in this Christian walk in the sense that what we'll do is we make a wholehearted commitment and we'll say, Lord, I commit my life. Tears running down our face. Lord, I give you my heart. But the moment temptation comes, you have a choice to make. You can either submit to the will of God and do it his way, or you could submit to your flesh and then come to God and say, God, I'm sorry. And you know what? God is so loving. He forgives our sins. Amen. But listen to me, church. God doesn't want you to keep coming back to him saying sorry about the same thing over and over and over again. See, that's when you need to question yourself. That is when you really need to have an evaluation of your heart. Because if the pattern of sin has not been broken in your life, after you made that commitment, I got to question that commitment. But today, today is a day of encouragement. God wants you, God wants me, he wants us to be on that path of righteousness, not looking to the right, not looking to the left. He wants us to maintain our focus and to move forward in his will and his purpose. The question is very simple. Are you ready to submit your will to his? Not just make a commitment, but ready to submit your will to his. And it's not going to happen one day. It's going to be an everyday, a momentary thing that you're going to have to continue to walk in. And if you say yes a long time ago and you're walking with him, then you should be praying right now for the others around you that have not said yes, the ones that need to say yes. Because today is a day that you can come before your God and you can say, Lord, here I am. I lay my heart before you, maybe for the first time, maybe once again. But I don't just want to make a commitment, but I want to submit myself. I want to submit my will. I don't want to walk in my own ways anymore. I want to walk according to your pattern. And I want to fulfill the plan and the purpose you have for me. Everybody stand to your feet and bow your heads, please. Every eye closed.